what James intended uh, for this sermon. Um, but yeah, I would ask that in my weakness in that, that you guys just be engaged in your minds and in your hearts and be, you know, critical thinking about the material that we're talking about today, that, you know, your focus really be on what's going on with this and figure out, you know, what the original intent of the author was, who, as you guys may know, is not necessarily James, but rather we intend to be the Holy Spirit if we're submissive to him. So, let's get after it. Just as a little recap, who knows the Greek word for encouragement? For encourage. Herkaleo. Nice. Yeah. Um, it means para, from close beside, and kaleo, to call. Those are the two roots of the word encouragement, right? So, to come beside a person and to call also. It um, is translated as implore, or to call out to, or to summon, to exhort. And we just commonly translate it as encourage. But there's a little bit more depth to it. And so we seek to understand that this month. From the same roots as perikaleo, if you uh, recall, is perikaleos, meaning comforter. And this is one of, the, one of the terms that the Holy Spirit is referred to by, right? So in the nature of part of God even, part of the Holy Spirit is comforter, is encouragement. Encouragement is not about motivating you, right, to complete a task like we were talking about earlier. It's not about what you can do and what you can provide and the materials of this and, you know, how good of a technical job you can do and so on and so forth. We see God throughout Scripture not necessarily appreciating those things as much as he appreciates the heart of a person, right? The, the will of a person to, to walk with God, to be able to come alongside people like that, too. A good example in that is, you know, relationships with children. By nature, that's a relationship where you have to come beside a person and bring them up in the Lord. <clears throat> it's not about a... Encouragement is also not about a sudden rush of serotonin or dopamine or whatever it is that your brain uses to make you feel good, right? It's not, that's not in the nature of encouragement even. Sometimes it's a result of good encouragement, but that's not what we're trying to do. We let that naturally flow from God's version of encouragement. As we talked about last Sunday, encouragement is about the relationship, and that's where the Holy Spirit comes in, that parakaletos, uh, the comforter who is with us and guides us and brings us through. We're encouraged because we're not alone. We're encouraged because though we ourselves found a block, a blockage between us and God, God destroyed that block and brought us closer to him by work across centuries and culminating in the work of Christ. Um, through his sacrifice, we can be one with Christ as he is one with God. And the relationship that can continue regardless of the fact that we find ourselves to be lacking. Encouragement hinges on relationship, and that relationship finds its most prime example in Christ, as is the common theme. Encouragement has nothing to do with our value. Our value is set, right? We're created in the image of God. That is bought and paid for. Encouragement has nothing to do with um, trying to convince ourselves that we have value. Maybe part of that is reminding us where our value comes from, but that's a, a set 
premise. That's something that is established. It's something that we should have no doubt on. Our value is not in jeopardy, and encouragement is just understanding that fact as part of it. We are not capable in our finiteness of assigning anybody else's value, let alone ourselves, right? So our value has nothing to do with the stock market, has nothing to do with all these worldly evaluations of us. There's no speculation. There's no fear. There's no graph showing you know, where our value peaks and where our value plummets, so on and so forth. There are no depths and lows. There's no highs. There's only God's value, which is beyond all measure that we can have. It is infinite in nature. So there's just that value that God has assigned us. We read, we read several passages last week that provided encouragement to ourselves, right? James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, for example. Consider it joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials of various kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let perseverance work, that you may become perfect and complete, not lacking in anything. It's something that is already established, and we just have to let come to fruition by the work of the Holy Spirit who is in us. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 and 12, we talked about. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you. Because you are my followers, be happy about it. Be very glad, for your reward is great and it awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in this same way. These passages remind us that not everything in life is hunky-dory. Not everything in life is okay all the time. Not everything is comfortable. There may be times where it becomes difficult to always look on the bright side of life. Life has become twisted sometimes and, and falls short of what it was created to be. And it's not a bed of roses, right? Encouragement is independent of the difficulty that you're facing in life. It's they're not together. You're not supposed to be encouraged because your life is going well. You're supposed to be encouraged regardless of how your life is going. Because whatever's happening, that's within God's control. That's within God's sovereignty. Our value is not in jeopardy. Our salvation is not in jeopardy. Our ultimate safety is not in jeopardy. Only the chemicals in our brain are in jeopardy. You know? if you want to go back to the serotonin and dopamine situation. And we have the ability through Christ to have control over that in the most mature way through processing things how Christ showed us. So these, in fact, are the moments that we live for, right? We don't live for, in Christ, we don't live for the moments where we are on a sweet vacation, you know, that's great, and God wants us to enjoy those things. But we don't live for those moments. Those aren't the moments that we find encouragement in. We find moments of encouragement when we are going through the thick of it, and we have a mature perspective, and other believers are able to come alongside us, with us, and provide that real godly encouragement. Those are the moments that we live for, where we exemplify who Christ was, in his relationship to the Father by the way that we love each other. Think about what part of life, what part of Jesus' life was recorded, right? Starts when he was around 
30 or so, right? 27 to 30. Um, what happened to the rest of his life? What happened to his happy childhood? What happened to, you know, the times playing on, with the goats out in the front yard or like whatever, you know? Or, you know, the time that, that Joseph, his dad, like taught him how to make his first table or whatever. Like those things aren't recorded. It's not that they're not valuable, that they're not important, that those weren't the people that knew him didn't understand those things about him, that they weren't part of his character. But those things aren't necessary for us to know about him. What was necessary for us to know about him is what he was doing in the thick of it, right? And when he brought people alongside him, when he came alongside other people and showed them the way of God. And then the suffering and trials and tribulation that he went through, the sacrifice that he made to serve, right? To complete God's mission for him. Those are the things that were important that the Holy Spirit wanted to communicate to us. Those things that the Holy Spirit wanted to create, communicate to us are comforting in nature. It seems backwards, but the Holy Spirit is the comforter and that's what he does. And yet, this is the message of the gospel. It's not the vacations of Jesus and where he had a good time. It's the parts where they were hard and yet he formed a church out of those risen ashes. <clears throat> these passages that we read always remind us that though we may go through these trials, though we may go through persecution, we're not alone in that. Right? Though every one of life's downs and ups and trials and pitfalls and joys through all those things, we're not alone. We're together. What are some of the first things Jesus did? I sort of alluded to this. Some of the first things Jesus did was get a bunch of apostles together, get a bunch of disciples, you know, people that were living with him day in and day out that he could bring alongside him, that he could come alongside them. Because let's be honest, did Jesus, he's God. Like if he wanted to, boom, you know, put his foot down and spring up a church, you know, in the way that he... I don't know, let's say, calls individual prophets or whatever. He gives them a manifestative gift, a, you know, extra dosage of the Holy Spirit to make them hardcore and supernatural and so on and so forth. Yeah, he could have done that, but that's not how God works, right? God works by coming alongside us and encouraging us to become the people that we are made to be in the perfect created order of things. You know, he's reconciling us to who we are made to be in our full value created in his image. And those are some of the first things Jesus did, coming alongside others and calling them to who God made them to be. In fact, as followers of Christ, we've been given the gift, um, not only have eternal life, but we've given the gift of the Holy Spirit, you know, in terms of coming alongside. It's like not only is somebody coming alongside us, you know, that's kind of a metaphor, but we have someone within us that's helping us at an intrinsic level you know, at an internal level that we have to pay attention to, that we have to quiet ourselves to the comforter and let him guide us each and every step of the way. So it's hard for us to remember that sometimes, though, with all the noise and all the whatever coming along life, us trying to cope with the hard times, with our superficial things that are fun, like vacations and whatever. Don't get me wrong, I love me a vacation, you know? But that's not the mature way to cope with things. 
And so we forget this about the Holy Spirit, about the Comforter, about encouragement, and its nature in God. It's difficult for us to compute that in the midst of being all alone, especially, if we forget that we're supposed to be intertwined with each other as parts of the body are intertwined. You know, the hand cannot do anything without the forearm. The hand can't be productive without legs to carry it around and stuff, unless you watch the Adams Family or whatever and you got the weird thing, but that's not, nobody likes that, that's weird. <laughs> so it's sometimes difficult for Christians to realize in the midst of those pitfalls, um, just kidding. <laughs> so, <laughs> and this, this situation, this, where we're intertwined with each other, this didn't come easy, right? This didn't come easy and it didn't come without a price. God chose to make himself lowly and subject himself to the horrors of this world, subject himself to pain and death and suffering and humiliation to unite his people in this, to set us up for success in that. God chose to make himself like us so that we could be like him. To offer truth and hope to the whole world so that we can be encouraged in those struggles because we can now say that he knows exactly what we go through in that. You know? He knows where we fall into and he's dealt with it. He's dealt with us more it. he's dealt with it more than any of us have, you know. I haven't been hung on a cross and I pray to God that I won't. But he has. A lot of us have gone through really difficult things too. God understands that. He understands the, the pain of betrayal and all of those things. But in that, he's able to show us true encouragement. We're able to find real truth in the word of God. So we have to do our part in doing that, in doing justice by that, by paying attention to God, to praying to him, to listening to his words, so that we understand those things. And tangibly, he did all this. He, he set us up for being able to be really, truly encouraged Right? Like I said with his apostles, that was the beginning of launching his church. The way he did that was creating a body where we are all a significant part of that. Not a changeable cog in the machine as we're taught day in and day out at our jobs or at school or like whatever it is that, you know, if you get bad grades, you get expelled. Or if you do a bad thing, you get expelled and you have to move on to the next school. Or, you know, you get fired and you have to, you know, find a sucky job until you can convince somebody to, you know, give you another shot at it or whatever. It's like those things are not in God's narrative. We have our set value. Let's read Matthew chapter 28, starting at verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. As he's getting ready to leave the earth, this is post-resurrection, right? As he's getting ready to leave the earth, what piece of wisdom does he impart to us? He tells us to make disciples. But before that, the precursor to that, oh, sorry, it's post, but, you know, it's there. So, in that, he assures us after he gives us this daunting task do like i have done make disciples come alongside people i'm gonna go you know 
Like in a little bit, I'll be gone. But make disciples and know that I am with you. Not only am I with you always, I'm with you as far as you can imagine. I'm with you 100% to the end of the age. It's not just the negative either, right? It's not just, you aren't alone, don't worry. It's, I am with you. I am with you. This is a personal relationship, a personal promise that he's going to be with us as we're doing the things that he calls us to do. And this is Jesus. This is a huge thing. It's, you know, I'm going to be with you, but it's also I am is with you. You know, Yahweh is with you to the end of the age. Not just now, but committed forever. I want to read John chapter 17. Like almost the whole chapter, because it's awesome. So just the context for this, this is Jesus praying, right? This is, we're talking about encouragement by nature being relationship. We're supposed to emulate the relationship that Jesus gives to us, you know? And this is an example because Jesus is praying to God. This is his relationship with God. This is the relationship that we're to have with God as we follow Christ. This is a whole lot of stuff in here. And there's no way that we can cover all of this, but just pay attention you know, to the elements of this that is encouragement. Christ is in relationship, uh, just as like the apostles, and there's a lot going on in here of uh, Christ's intent for us in our relationship with God. So, chapter 17 in John. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, you know what, I'm going to set myself up for success. bad when you start to read a chapter and you're already like, you know, getting dry. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one of you. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know everything that I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believe that you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost, except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them, 
because they do not belong to the world, just as I don't belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but instead to keep them safe from the evil one. They don't belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth, just as you sent me into the world. I am sending them back into the world, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be able, and may they be in us, so the world world will believe that you sent me. I've given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and they will continue to do so, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. There's a lot of, you know, I in you, and you and me, and all this stuff, and it sounds like, you know, the walrus or whatever from the, from the Beatles. You know, I am you, and you are me, and we are one together, and all this stuff. None of that is anywhere parallel or similar. I just want to make that clear. This is about, not about everyone being the same as the Beatles were preaching, but everyone is distinct but in intimate relationship with one another. And if you notice, it's not just, um, it's not just the relationship that's there. There's a heavy amount of relationship there intimate with sacrifice and um, working together side by side, seeking God's will, seeking God's goal, and all of those things. But there's a heavy dose of truth seated in there. You know, it's not enough, right, for us to come alongside one another and be like, hey, it's okay, I'm with you. Sometimes you have an implication of more through your relationship, but it's about God's truth through that relationship. That's the encouraging part of it. If you have relationship without any content with it, it's empty. It feels good on the surface, but it doesn't last, and it doesn't have that, that impact. It doesn't have that significance that, that wrenches your heart and calls you and convicts you to action, to a course of life, to teaming up with people, to coming alongside them and bringing you. You know, When you come alongside someone, you're going somewhere. You're not just like you know, standing there at the... I don't know, altar or whatever? Like, where do you just stand together with someone? I don't know. But even that, like, you're going somewhere hardcore. And you're just, like, waiting to take that jump, you know? But it's, it's about going somewhere with someone. And that has to be anchored in the truth. And we see a heavy dose in that. Just to highlight that, in verse 16, they do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy 
by your truth. You know? This is, when Christ is saying truth, this is a loaded statement. There's a lot of truth in this sucker. You know? And that's what we're called to. We're not called to just have a simple relationship. We're called to struggle with the truth that's in here as we seek to be one with each other as Christ is one with the Father. So we have within the Christian community here, within our local churches, a family, right? In a lot of cases, it's a family that's more intimate, more healthy, even more significant than our biological family. It can't overwrite or it can't replace our biological family. Like That's part of God's design too. But it's enormously significant. We have a family that loves for us, that cares for us, that yearns for us. And we have a family here to encourage us to be in relationship before God and with each other. In Thessalonians, we can find a good bullet-pointed list as an example of truth within a correct, encouraging relationship, just to wrap things up. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 14. We see, Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, take tender care of those who are weak, be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies. But do test everything that's said. Hold on to what's good. Stay away from every kind of evil. There's all those elements in there. There's lots of elements of relationship and being patient with everyone and working together and love in that. There's elements of being joyful in hard times, being thankful in hard times, knowing that God is in control of all those things. Be encouraged by those things. Don't stay away from truth. Don't suppress truth. You know, Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Don't scoff at prophecies. Don't be like, that doesn't, you know, whatever. Don't whatever things off. If it's in here and it doesn't make sense to you, then seek to make sense of it. That's where life is. That's where life is. And that's where we find true encouragement, where we find something, we find an obstacle, and we come together and get help, and we overcome that. That is encouraging. Yeah, so it starts with brothers and sisters and familial relationship, and it hits being joyful and thankful as we belong to Christ and warns us to stay away from evil and hold tight to truth. So as we wind down here, let's go discuss some questions. Let's talk about who can you come beside, you know, who can you encourage, who can you come along with in a disciple-type relationship and really target that encouragement and enable people to be successful in God, in truth. How can you boldly make your intentions of commitment and loyalty, support and relationship known to a brother and sister? Let me repeat that, I guess. How can you boldly make your intentions 
That's the, that's the emphasis of the word. How can you boldly make your intentions of commitment and loyalty, support, and relationship known to your brothers and sisters? Like, you know, I will be with you to the end of the age. You know, that's a <clears throat> intense, comforting statement for somebody to be like, I'm not going anywhere. You know, I don't care what you do, I'm here. And lastly, where is the truth, with a capital T, in your encouragement? Where's the truth in your encouragement, in your efforts at encouragement? Okay, let's go discuss in cell groups.